I'm a real supersonic, pass the ball like magic. Sean Kim or Larry Bird, the old school Mavericks. I got basketball cards, gonna sing a little more. I got basketball cards, now enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Godfather Nate Milton. And right now, I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, show me your basketball cards. In the spirit of the great names of the past, like Dikembe Mutombo, and not Michael Jordan, but Baby Jordan, Harold Miner, Drazen, Arvidas, J.R. Ryder bringing that East Bay funk. I bring to you the man who met World Be Free and Danny Ferry, your host and my brother, Zaire, also known as Bandana Z. You are listening to my basketball cards, and I'm your host, Zaire, a.k.a. Bandana Z, just like Brother Nate Milton said. Big shout-out to him for introducing me, and a big shout-out to Paris Alexa for the great theme song of this show. We are focusing on the 1990 Update Basketball um, Collection by Fleer, and that season, the players, um, we're going to do uh, 10 players this season. I think it's 10, maybe 11. Anyway... On each of these episodes, because on the last episode, we premiered the season with Chucky Brown, NBA champ, who was with the Cleveland Cavaliers in 1990, and he ended up winning the NBA championship five years later with the Houston Rockets. Um, Every episode this season, we've got Chucky Brown uh, doing a guest appearance, sharing his uh, memories of each player that we feature in this series so the first player that we're going to talk about, this may be a little lengthy, I'm not sure, but it is one of my favorite players of all time, the one and only Drazen Petrovic, I believe like the best European player ever, right along with Arvidas Sabonis, and I know you Dirk Nowitzki fans out there are going to be like, what about Dirk? Listen, Dirk was great at what he did, but I'm telling you, man, I think if you put Drazen one-on-one against Dirk Nowitzki, Drazen's going to try and cut Dirk Nowitzki's head off. Because that's the kind of player Drazen is. Like they, people thought he was like the Michael Jordan of Europe. Very um, just greedy, tough, and refused to lose. Like when people always want to say somebody's the next Larry Bird, the next Michael Jordan, whatever. He was cut from that cloth of just unrelenting. Like I'm going to find a way to win. Now, things did not start off so great for Drazen Petrovic in the NBA. While... He was on a great team that that messed around and made it to the NBA Finals, the 1989-90 Portland Trailblazers, which this car, you see him, uh, I think it's footage from the NBA Finals. Actually, on this car, he's driving past Joe Dumars, trying to get a shot up, um, and you see in the background, you can see the banner of the NBA Finals. Uh, Drazen Petrovic was on the 89-90 Blazers team that made it to the finals. He averaged 7.6 points. That was his first season in the NBA um, because prior to that, he was playing in Yugoslavia and in Spain. So he actually uh, was drafted in the 1986 draft, which uh, was a very, very touted draft, very talented draft, but so many bad things seemed to happen to a lot of players that got drafted that year. I'm not sure. You know, a lot of people want to call it a curse. Um, I don't know if I believe in curses, but, um, you know, it was just a hard luck situation of the 86 draft. And that's a 
podcast episode uh, all alone by itself. So we're not going to go all the way down that rabbit hole, but we're going to talk about Drazen Petrovic. He started with the Portland Trailblazers. You know, you think, okay, this guy's in the NBA Finals. Everything's starting off great. No, Drazen Petrovic was a 25-year-old rookie who believed in his talents and thought that he should be getting some playing time. So his first year, he played 12.6 minutes per game, which is not a lot of playing time. He put up 7.6 points per game in those 12.6 minutes. And um, it was efficient, shot 48% from the field, 84% from the line, 45% from three. So, you know, he proved offensively that, hey, I could could compete in this league, but he just needed to have the chance to, um, to get some minutes. And he was stuck behind Terry Porter and Clyde Drexler. They were the starting guards for Portland, and they were very, um, very good, very good combination. Clyde Drexler, one of the top players to ever play the game. Terry Porter was a very, very good player for his time. Uh, however, when you put Drazen in that mix, you know, Drazen probably is better than Terry Porter. I mean, I, I think in the long term, looking at it, yes, he is. Um, at that time, I think he was a victim because the NBA was not sold on European players. So European players got the uh, mark of being less than, not as uh, physical, not as good. But Drazen was just cut from a different cloth. Even though he was a European player and he had fundamentals, he had a grittiness about him that a lot of European players had to develop. He came in the NBA with it. Um, Best game of his rookie season was... Uh, a 24-point game against the Sacramento Kings, uh, and he also scored 22 against Charlotte Hornets. Um, word is that he struggled during the NBA playoffs, but he did have a few games where he scored over um, 10 points. In Even in the Western Conference Finals, he played nine minutes and put up 11 points and a three-point win against the Phoenix Suns. Uh, Drazen was a, a crowd favorite. People... Um, Really liked him and, and were, were hoping to see him. But for whatever reason, his head coach, Rick Adelman, just wasn't sold on him. So what we're going to do is just kind of go back and look and see what was going down. Because during the 1990-91 season, he started the year off with the Portland Trailblazers, played 18 games, and it just wasn't working. He was complaining to the media He wanted out of Portland. In those 18 games, he played less time than he played the year before. 7.4 minutes per game, 4.4 points per game. The Blazers had just gotten Danny Ainge from Sacramento, and they felt like he was a better fit. Danny was a little older um, and, you know, very experienced in the NBA, won some championships with the Boston Celtics. However... Drazen felt, hey, I'm better than this guy that you're bringing in here. Why aren't I playing? And once again, I think Coach Adelman just wasn't sold simply because Drazen was European. Just my guess. Um, Some fun stories to kind of catch up on. Or not fun stories, but important stories to know about what was going on during that time period. On November 15th, 1990, uh, the Associated Press put out a story that says Petrovic wants out. Drazen Petrovic says he's tired of his reserve role with the Portland Trailblazers and he wants to be traded. 
Drazen said, I'm the 12th man on the roster. I don't deserve that. I'm not, I'm not being treated fairly. That's what he told the newspaper. Petrovic, 26 years old, a sports hero in his native Yugoslavia, said he would give the Trailblazers until November 30th to work out some kind of trade. If nothing is done, I'm going back to Yugoslavia, he said. If Petrovic leaves the team and returns to Yugoslavia, he would be ineligible to play professionally in Spain or Italy because all NBA contracts are recognized by FIBA, the sports international governing body. If he left, it would be like going AWOL, Jeff Petrie, the Portland Trailblazers senior vice president of operations said. That would be the worst thing he could do. We would have no choice but to suspend him. So Drazen goes to the press, very, very upset about his lack of playing time. And let's see what his playing time was at the time. This is the 1990-91 season. Um, you look, the first, uh, every game in Portland that he played, first 13 games that he played in Portland that season, he never played over 10 minutes. Um, he did score 10 points in two of those games because when he got in, he's like, hey, I'm jacking some shots up. But in general, he only played in blowouts. Portland started out the season um, with a great record. And in the first 13 games he played in, they were 11-2. and two. I believe he missed some games as well with some DMPs, but I'm not sure. But they were 11-2 and two in the first 13 games he played in. But all of those games, except for one, were blowouts. Every single one of them. Portland won the first game by 31, the second one by 26, the third one by 16. You get the point. Portland was just pounding teams. And then they go, oh, Drazen, go ahead and get some run. So um, by the time the... 14th game that he participated in with Portland came. He played 16 minutes in that game, 26 in the game after that, and uh, 15. And so he had three straight games with 15 or more minutes. And then after that, two more games with one with two minutes, one with seven minutes. He wasn't getting the minutes he wanted. Um, and he was complaining in November. He lasted with the team all the way until uh, January when he was traded, January 1991. So for going to the press, of course, that did not make Portland happy. So it was reported um, that he was in hot water. Here's another article. This is uh, one from the Wausau, Wisconsin, uh, Wausau Daily Herald. It's a newswire story, actually, based out of Portland. Portland's Petrovic fined for comments. The Portland Trail Blazers have fined discontented guard Drazen Petrovic $500 for comments he made to a newspaper reporter. The former European star in his second year in the NBA complained in a story published this week in the Oregonian that he was being treated unfairly. Petrovic said that he wanted more playing time and threatened to leave the team unless he is traded. The $500 fine is the maximum amount an NBA team can levy without giving a player a chance to appeal. Coach Adelman said he supported the decision. We don't handle things that way, Adelman said of Petrovic's com comments to the newspaper. Petrovic told a reporter about the fine. It was not announced by the team. I was a little surprised, he said. I know you can't say anything in Yugoslavia, but I didn't know it was that way in America. I didn't say anything bad about the organization, he said. I just expressed my feelings 
I didn't know I could be fined for that. So he says something. Portland uh, finds him. Now think about this. You're probably looking like, man, $500 ain't nothing to an NBA player, right? You know, and during that time, $500 is $1990. $500 is worth more in 1990 than it is today. Um, and Drazen was making $1 million, which was great money for NBA players in 1990, which now you look at and go, just a million dollars, but the salaries were a whole lot different. So yeah, Drazen is, is, is fined. Um, Here's another story. This is from uh, the basketball roundup in the Sacramento Bee, where they go, uh, Petro problems in Portland. The Portland Trailblazers are undefeated and therefore should have no problems. Oh, well, Yugoslavian Drazen Petrovic didn't play in the first four games, wants to be traded and threatened to leave the team because he's the 12th man and doesn't deserve that. For that, Petrovic will receive, who will receive $1.2 million in the second of a three-year contract, was fined $500 by the team and received this comment from the coach. This is what Rick Adelman said about Drazen Petrovic. I can understand somebody not being happy with not playing, but there are other guys on this team in the same situations, he said. He's making awfully good money to play this game. I'm sorry. I can't do anything. Let's be realistic. Here's a guy who averaged seven points a game last season. This is not an all-star player. Boom. There's Rick Adelman shooting at Drossen. <laughs> now, in the previous article, Rick Adelman was like, yo, uh, we don't handle things like that in the press. But he sure did shoot his mouth out in this um, interview uh, with whatever reporter he was talking to. So he had it set in his mind that Drazen Petrovic was not an all-star. He was not a top player on that team. So there is really nothing else to be said, but hey, Drazen, either you're going to keep your mouth shut or you're going to make waves and you're going to get the trade that you want because um, he wasn't like, like there were some European players that came in the league, sat on the bench and were content Drazen wasn't that guy. That's why I said he was cut from a different cloth. Um, when you look at um, after that, November 21st, headline in a Statesman Journal out of Salem, Salem, Oregon says, and this is an Associated Press story, Petrovic apologizes for saying he'd quit the Blazers. Drazen Petrovic told Portland Trail Blazer fans Tuesday that he's sorry he threatened to leave the team if he isn't traded. It was not my wish to offend anyone by my public remarks, and I would like to apologize to those who were upset, especially the Blazer fans who have been so supportive of me, he said in a statement released through his lawyer. He said he was withdrawing the comments he made last week to the Oregonian. As a result, the Blazers said they had rescinded the $500 fine that he had levied against the Yugoslavian, that had been levied against the Yugoslavian guard. Petrovic said he has had a chance to discuss his role with head coach Rick Adelman. He told me he, un he considered me a contributor to the team and that the fact that I was not playing in the regular rotation in the first few games was not a reflection of the permanent decision, he said. I believe we both have a better understanding of each other after our meeting. Petrovic, who lost his place in the rotation after the Blazers acquired Danny Ainge, said last week that he would return to Yugoslavia if he wasn't traded by the end of the month. 
He has played only in the final minutes of games in which Portland was comfortably ahead. Last season, Petrovic was the backup guard behind Portland starter Clyde Drexler. But he struggled in the playoffs, especially in the NBA Finals against Detroit, when the Blazers acquired the veteran Ainge in the offseason. Or then, sorry, then the Blazers acquired veteran Ainge in the offseason from Sacramento. Ainge has been spectacular, helping Portland to a 9-0 start. Now, uh, Danny Ainge is an interesting character in this story because, um, and, and after this, Petrovic's minutes didn't immediately go up. They went up um, at the beginning of January. That story that we read was in November. Um, but yeah, Danny Ainge, I believe, is an Oregon native. Um, so, you know, welcoming him back home, uh, I'm sure was cool. Yeah, he's from Eugene, Oregon. So welcome him back to his own home state. Uh, you know, fans love that. Management loved that. It's a good story. Um, he had been an all-star previously, and once again, he had won championships with the Blazers, I mean, with the Celtics. So, you know, I'm sure the Blazers organization thought, okay, he can get us over the hump. Just to um, check, now that season, the 90-91 season, Danny Ainge arrives to Portland, and he averages 11.1 points per game, comes off the bench, doesn't start a single game. Um, at the beginning of the season, actually, he probably was playing his best basketball of the whole year. Um, he actually, in his sixth game, had a 20-point game, but he scored at least 10 points in his first 10 games with Portland, um, 10 points only being his lowest. Everything else, he was scoring 14, 15, 16. So he was really pitching in off of the bench um, at the start of the season. So it did make things hard for uh, Drazen to actually get minutes. Plus, Danny Ainge was getting a lot of assists at that time, too. Um, so he was doing his thing. Um, so it made things a lot muddier for Drazen Petrovic. Another thing, uh, going back to that, statement where Dryzen kind of walked back what he said. That tends to be um, a common thing that NBA players do uh, when they, you know, say something and then, you know, the organization is like, hey, kind of run that back. I think it's like a corporate thing. The, the lawyer reads the statement. Sometimes they read the statement and it's just to kind of ease things. But fans, I think, can read through the lines. Like, it's like they say, you can't put the toothpaste back in the toothpaste um uh, tube. So, um, you know, folks knew how Drazen felt and it was, he wasn't happy. So, you know, with Adam and saying what he said and then saying, you know, well, we, we're, you're going to be, you know, an important part of our rotation and it just never really happened. So it was a bit bogus um, and unfortunate because I think, you know, if you hold on and you have Drazen Petrovic and you have Clyde Drexler, that is a dangerous, potent one-two point punch. And it's not to say anything against Danny Ainge, but Danny Ainge probably was on the decline of his career um, starting then, where Drazen was on the rise, and he just didn't get a shot. Um, so what ends up happening is Drazen gets traded to New Jersey, and this is January uh, 2, let me make sure I got the right date. January 23rd, 1991, there's a three-team trade that lands uh, Drazen in New Jersey. So Portland, 
what they do is they send a 1993 second round pick, Drazen Petrovic, to the New Jersey Nets. To, to the New Jersey Nets. And the Denver Nuggets ended up trading Terry Mills to the New Jersey Nets. The Nuggets traded Walter Davis and a second round pick to Portland. And New Jersey traded Greg Cadillac Anderson uh, and a first round pick to the Denver Nuggets. So um, the winners of that trade by far, the New Jersey Nets. Because Portland ended up getting Walter Davis, who in his day was an all-star and a very, very good basketball player. But at that time, he was on the downswing in the end of his career. Um, and we talked about him in a previous episode. Greg Cadillac Anderson was a guy who was a, I believe he was a first-round draft pick. Uh, had a lot of, um, you know, he was tough, had potential, but he never became... A star, you know, he had some solid seasons in San Antonio, his first two seasons. Um, but you know, he just really didn't. He was a he was a tough guy. That's pretty much it. Like he wasn't one of those guys that became an elite center. Uh, he was good to have on your roster, but you, if he was your starting center, you did not have an elite center. Um, also, who else was in there? Terry Mills and Drazen Petrovic to New Jersey. Those are two quality players that ended up contributing to the brief success that New Jersey had in the early 1990s, um, which we will talk about in a second. So Drazen goes to New Jersey, and we talked about Chucky playing with Chucky Brown. We mentioned at the beginning of the episode playing with Drazen in New Jersey. So this New Jersey squad that Drazen goes to, um, they're having a losing season. Bill Fitch is the head coach. Um, he goes here and he's alongside a first-year rookie, Derek Coleman, who becomes Rookie of the Year. Another future all-star, Mookie Blaylock. Uh, a name that you know, Sam Bowie, was actually playing with the New Jersey Nets. And a lot of people know Sam Bowie as being the guy who was drafted ahead of Michael Jordan. And while Sam Bowie never became an NBA star, he actually had some game and could contribute. Um, you know, people want to act like he wasn't good. He actually was a good ball player. He just had a lot of injury issues. Also on his team was Reggie Theus, who is a legendary NBA scorer, really known for putting a ball in a basket. Chris Morris, who was a young, exciting uh, small forward who used to dunk and shatter the backboard. There was Roy Henson, who um, had some good years in Cleveland in years prior. Uh, and another player, uh, Lester Connor. Well, no, they, actually, I think they traded Lester Conner. Um, I was trying to see Judd Bushler, who became uh, a role player with the, with the Bulls. So New Jersey had a young nucleus that um, was taking hold. And you really, and actually, an assistant coach in Rick Carlisle. So they had some, some guys here. The next year, you saw the team improve. And they improved to 40 and 42. Now, Going right back to when Drazen arrived, he finally got minutes. Was it the minutes he wanted? Maybe not exactly, but he got way more minutes than he was getting in Portland. He got 20 minutes per game instead of the seven minutes per game he was getting in Portland. And he averaged 12.6 points per game, shot 50% from the field, um, lit it up. And in a, in a, in a role where he's not a, a starter, if you could average 12 points off the bench, that's pretty solid for anybody. 
and he had some big games after arriving in New Jersey, um, scored over 20 points four times, season high, 27 against the Washington Bullets, which was a loss, and he shot 12 for 21. So they end that year with a losing record, so they get another good draft pick. Uh, New Jersey gets the rookie of the year, or they have the rookie of the year in, in Derek Coleman in his first year, but the second year, they end up making the playoffs. They finish 40-42. and 42. Uh, Bill Fitch is still the head coach, but they end up getting a young Kenny Anderson, a point guard out of Georgia Tech. So they have two very young point guards, um, and they have to decide which direction they want to go. But Kenny Anderson and Mookie Blaylock is on this team. You still have Sam Bowie. You have Derek Coleman, who is coming back after his Rookie of the Year campaign. You got Terry Mills, who um, is young as well. You got Drazen Petrovic, and you got Chris Morris. So here it is. Like, okay, we got a team, and they make a run, and they make the playoffs. They lose three games to one to Cleveland, and that year Cleveland made it all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, Drazen has his breakout season, 82 games, didn't miss a single game, durable um, shot 50% from the field, 44% from three, 80% from the free throw line, 20 points per game. Rick Adelman said that Drazen Petrovic was not an all-star. And Rick, Rick Adelman would be right. Drazen Petrovic never made an all-star team, unfortunately, because of his untimely death. But when you average 20.6 points per game, you are in the conversation of being an all-star and you are in the conversation of, you know, one of the top scoring uh, players in the league. So Rick Adelman was all the way wrong. And New Jersey, who is a franchise that didn't make the best decisions often, made a great decision with that trade. Excellent decision. And Willis, we Willis Reed, of all people, was the executive of the franchise at the time. Um, and we all know Willis Reed for limping on to the court, showing a lot of bravery when he was a player. But... Excellent move right there by getting Drazen and Terry Mills in that trade. So they go 40 and 42. The next season, they improve and they get Chuck Daly. They get rid of Bill Fitch and they say, all right, we want Chuck Daly. Chuck Daly had previously won two championships with the Pistons, helped them get to the NBA Finals three times in the 1980s. And um, they won the championship in the 89 season and in the 90 season. So you get Chuck Daly. Um, 92-93 Nets go 43-39, and 39, so they continue to improve. And they play Cleveland again in the first round. And so just like the Chicago Bulls was in the way of the Cavaliers, the Cavaliers was in the way of the Nets. I remember watching that series. They lost three games to two. It was a very, very tough series um, for the New Jersey Nets and the Cavs. Like, they both went back, like, head-to-head. -head. It was just tough. Um, so I'm trying to see the... Series numbers here. If you look at this series, Cleveland wins game one, one fourteen to ninety eight, and they probably feel like, oh, this is going to be easy, <laughs> but it wasn't. Uh, New Jersey won game two, one one and ninety nine. Cleveland won game three, ninety three to eighty four. New Jersey won game four, ninety six to seventy nine, and that had people a little nervous. Even though the series was going back to Cleveland, New Jersey had won a game in Cleveland, and. People were a little nervous, thinking like, uh oh, you know, you, you're not, you shouldn't lose by so much to this young team. And Cleveland, by that time, their young team had turned into veterans. You know, they still have Mark Price, Brad Doherty, Larry Nance, Hot Rod Williams, and these guys were seasoned. New Jersey was young and up and coming. So they uh, caused concern. But Cleveland won the 
fourth, I mean the fifth and decisive game by 10, 99, and 89 on this New Jersey team. Uh, I mentioned some good players before, but on this New Jersey team, you had Drazen Petrovic, of course, averaging 22.3 points per game in 70 games in his 10, 12 games that season, but still kept up his numbers, shot even better, 51% from the field, 44% from three, 87% from the free throw line. Uh, once again, just he wasn't an all-star, again, for whatever reason, but he was among the um, top guards in the league as far as just being able to be efficient. Kenny Anderson, um, who was a rookie the year before, got his opportunity to shine. Actually, yeah, got his opportunity to shine and do his thing. Um, he averaged 16.9 points per game, 8.2 assists. Uh, Mookie Blaylock is out on the picture. Derek Coleman, 20 points per game, 11 rebounds per game. Looking like Derek Coleman at that time was looking like he was about to be a Hall of Famer. Uh, there wasn't a more talented power forward in basketball. Uh, Chris Morris, 14.1 points per game. Sam Bowie, efficient, or not efficient, but just reliable, 9.7 rebounds. His job was not to be the number one scorer. He had some good days, but his job was just to be a physical force in the middle. He blocked uh, 1.6 shots per game, did his job. Um, Chris Dudley, a very good rebounder, was on the team. You also had... Maurice Cheeks, a legendary guard. He was, at the end of his career, 36 years old. He was the backup point guard. Uh, Bernard King, at the end of his career, 36 years old. 34-year-old Rick Mahorn. So he had this nice mix of young guys and veterans coming together and making New Jersey a team that looked like it was on the rise. And so, like I said before, Chucky Brown was on that squad playing with Drazen. Um, and so we're going to let you hear how um, Chucky experienced playing with Drazen and being on that team. Here we go. Back with Chucky Brown. And we are going to talk about the one of the, I think the best European player ever, Drazen Petrovic. Oh, yeah. How dangerous yeah, is Drazen? Drazen was very dangerous, man. And, you know, I got a chance to play with him in New Jersey. Um, and... I mean, he was one of the hardest working guys that I ever played with. I, I remember he had he had messed his knee up. He did something to his knee and messed up some ligaments. Not torn anything, but strained or something like that. And they said that he would be out like two months, something like that. And, you know, or they, no, he'd be out like, was it like four weeks to a month, a month and a half? And he might have been out for two weeks, if that. You know, he came back very fast, and that was because he worked on it. You know, he worked every day to try to get back on the floor. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, Drazen, um, Drazen was, a, was a very good teammate. Um, his English wasn't the best, but he could understand you, and you could understand him. But he was just a good dude, and, uh, and you know, he was a hard worker. So you were on that team in, what, 93? Yeah, and 93. Yep. ended up going up against the Cavs, who finally made it out the first round, right? <laughs> yep, I was on that team, yep. So here it is. You got Drazen, Kenny Anderson, Derek Coleman, Chris Backboard, Shattering Morris, uh, Sam, I got drafted before Michael Jordan Bowie. Uh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> you got Mo Cheeks, who won a title with Philly. Y'all had some players. Bernard King. Yep. 
My goodness. Ramil Robinson. Yeah, Mr. Uh, Clutch in the NCAA tournament, Ramil Robinson. Um, (laughs) And then, wait, Chris Dudley, did y'all play together in Cleveland? Yeah, yeah, I played with Chris Dudley in Cleveland. And in New Jersey. And in New Jersey. Man, Bernard King, man, y'all was loaded, man. Way to go. Um, um, (laughs) Drazen was a guy that could just score at will. And from what I hear, Michael Jordan had tons of respect for Drazen because Drazen did not stop. Um, what's it like being on the court with Drazen Petrovic when he is dialed in? I mean, it, it's fun to be on the same team with and watch it. I remember one night we played uh, Houston, and we were in New Jersey. I think he got 50. 44. That night he got, he got 44? 44. 17 of 23. We're playing against Houston, right? Yep. Okay. The next night we went, we flew to Houston to play him on a back-to-back. And I think he, they said, I think it was Vernon might have said, you know, he ain't going to do that again. And I think he might have had like 38 the next night. What he had, like 30-something, right? Okay, so here it is. I, I know I know you've been around a while and you played in 30 different places. So I'm going to help you out. Here we go. Help me out. Help me out. Help so, me out. So January 24th, 1993, Draza Petrovic puts up 44 points against the Rockets in a 17-point New Jersey win. All right. Two games are between the next time you play Houston. Okay. So it's okay, because right. it was like within the same week. Right, um, right, right, right. I knew we played them, you know, close. So, close. So you go to the Lakers, he puts up 20 against them. You go to Denver, y'all lose there, and he put up 21. You go to Houston, and you lose by three, but he put up 32. And, okay, I, and, I knew it was 30-something, yeah, yeah. And yeah. so Vernon didn't do too hot that day, I guess. <laughs> Shout out to Vernon Maxwell, but um, yeah, man, you ain't messing with Drazen, bro. <laughs> yeah, but Dr- Drazen was, was was fun to play with. You know, like I said, a hardworking guy, um, and you know, just a good guy, just a good guy, good guy, fun fun to play with, hard worker. Uh, like I said, one of the hardest workers that I ever played with. And he was just tough. Like you from like a war torn country, you know. He's seen uh, battle tanks and everything else in his life. So that's a different kind of toughness, right there. Right. Well, you know, you get them guys from like Serbia and Croatia. And back then, they was having the. Uh, that's when they was doing the ethnic cleansing thing. So yeah. it was kind of like you know the Serbian players like Vladi and Drazen that that put a, a dent in their relationship. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, so them dudes are tough. You know what I'm saying? They're some tough dudes. You know, like Dino Rise. They had a bunch of them guys come through that was tough. Yep. You know what I'm saying? I mean, even like Tony Kukoc, you know, people used to think he was soft. He wasn't soft. He just was more laid back. You know what I'm saying? Mild man. You know, yeah. yeah, he was more mild man, but he wasn't soft. You know, you get them guys from them block countries, and they're, they're tougher. You know, they're a little tough. They're, tough. they're probably the toughest of the European players. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love Drazen. Um, Drazen and Arvidas, man, I, I love them so much. I think Arvidas at, at, in 89, because I didn't know, but I, 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 I found out that Arvidas was actually originally drafted by the Hawks. So he would have been on that team with Dominique when they went to, you know, took Boston to seven. Right. And if you put Arvidas on that team, they gonna probably be Boston. Yeah. 
Because he was, I think, top three in the world in the late 80s. Like, you right. got Mike, Hakeem, and Arvidas, I think, are the top three players on earth at that time. So, right. I don't know. But, yeah, so that was Dryzen. Thanks for talking about Dryzen with me. So, that was Chucky Brown talking about playing with the New Jersey Nets. That was the team that he went to after um, – well, he went to the Lakers, then he went to New Jersey. I think he had been in the CBA, like he had mentioned – um, but he played on so many teams, but this was uh, one of his early stops. And it was a team, like I said, that looked like it was going to be one of the, the top teams in the future uh, with so much talent in place. Draza Petrovic, also known as uh, the Mozart of Hoops and Petro, uh, 92-93, it was his final year, 28 years old, Um just his 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 top games that season, he had a 44-point performance against Houston that was mentioned by Chucky. Um, he scored 35 against Seattle, and Seattle had an excellent defensive backcourt with Gary Payton and um, Nate McMillan. You had um, the San Antonio Spurs. He put up 34 against them, 34 against Miami, uh, 32 against Washington. Um, I want to say the year before, he actually had a few more 40-point games. I'm going to check. Um, so, the year before, nah, he put up 39 against Boston, 38 against Indiana. Um, but yeah, he would get loose and, and and perform. Michael Jordan had so much respect for Drazen Petrovic because he, he just, I think he reminded him of himself in a way that he just never quit. He, he came at you no matter what he was shooting, no matter what was going on, good or bad. He didn't stop, and he believed in his talent. He was not intimidated by anybody in the league. I remember when Michael Jordan went on to play basketball. I'm not basketball, to play baseball. Everybody was asking, well, who's going to be the top shooting guard in basketball? And so, of course, you know, yeah, Clyde Drexler's still in the league. You had Mitch Richmond. You had Reggie Miller. You know, um, I remember, I think it was Gerald Wilkins was like, well, I want to be in that conversation. I love me some Gerald Wilkins. Um, and, <laughs> and Reggie Miller was talking and Dryden looked and said, you guys aren't better than me. I'm better than both of you. And he felt he was the best. And there was nobody that could tell him he wasn't. So it was just an amazing thing. Um, he ended up dying in the, I want to say, summer? Yeah, June 7th, 1993, in a car wreck um, on the Autobahn. I believe someone else was driving, and he might have been sleeping in the passenger seat, if I'm remembering right. And um, the Autobahn is, I think, one of those places where you can drive any speed you want. But yeah, he, he died in a car wreck, uh, 28 years old. I believe that had he been able to play in a season where there was no Michael Jordan, there would be more spotlight on him um, because Mike was leaving and he was gone for one season and gone for most of a second season. Uh, there would have been more spotlight on him. He more than likely would have been an all-star. New Jersey would have probably stayed on the trajectory that they were on as far as just becoming a um, more of a serious playoff contender. Um during the 93-94 season, they did finish uh, 45-37. and 37. They actually did improve uh, without Drazen, playing with him in their hearts and minds. Uh, you had Kevin Edwards, who came in and uh, contributed, averaging 14 a game. And, and Kenny Anderson and Derek Coleman had to step it up even more. Um, but it was, you know, the heart and soul of that basketball team was gone 
when Drazen Petrovic uh, died, unfortunately. And so by 94-95, the New Jersey Nets uh, was going back downhill. Uh, the team just wasn't the same after the Drazen death. And then, you know, Derek Coleman started having ish injury issues and um, he actually was gone um, eventually. So they had a um, three-year playoff run, two of those years with Drazen. Uh, but then after that, uh, 94, 95 season, all the way to the 96, 97 season, three straight seasons with 30 wins or less. Um, they did improve in 97, 98 um, to make the playoffs under John Calipari. Uh, but they went right back down the tubes for the next three seasons after that. Before um, 2001, 2002, when all of a sudden, they made it to the NBA Finals for two straight years, uh, which nobody saw that coming. Uh, the New Jersey Nets in their Eastern Conference Championship back-to-back -back situation. Head <laughs> coached by Byron Scott. Nobody saw that coming, but it did happen. And they did have a very successful run in the early to mid-2000s. And, you know, they've peaked in the playoffs here and there. Um, you know, recently, of course, they got Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. So and, and James Harden. So they are definitely a championship contender for the next few years if they're able to hold on to those three guys and build around them. But um, yeah, it took the franchise a while to rebound after losing Drazen, then losing Derek and Kenny Anderson. Those were their three uh, pillars and, you know, just didn't work out. And I think mostly it's the death of Drazen. If Drazen lives, um, you know, maybe... Derek Coleman um, remains, you know, I mean, it's, it's easier to play great basketball with great players around you. And, you know, I, like I said, I think Drazen was the spirit of that team. And when he died, a bit of that team died. And it just wasn't the same for those guys. Um, Kenny Anderson went on and he, he, he had a productive career. He, he had some uh, good years with Portland and Boston. Uh, helped Boston almost make it to the NBA Finals um, in the early 2000s. So, um, you know, but neither one of them, they, they, they both looked like they could potentially become Hall of Famers, and it didn't happen, unfortunately, for either one of them. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting to think, because Drazen actually became a Hall of Famer, um, you know, posthumously inducted, and inducted for his overall impact on the global game. Uh, because he only played a few years in the NBA. So it wasn't solely on his NBA career. But people recognized that when he was in the NBA, he definitely um, made noise and proved that he belonged. I think he helped um, prove that European players had a place in the league because people were skeptical of that. Once again, going back to what Rick Adelman said about, um, you know, Drazen not being... Uh, ready and you know I think Rick Adelman will probably say well you know what um, I never said he wasn't uh, <laughs> he wasn't uh, good because he is European and, and he probably would stand by that however I just think that in their minds in a lot of coaches minds a lot of GM's minds they just didn't buy European basketball yet and then once they did they start buying it a ton uh, but the crazy thing is that Rick Adelman later becomes the head coach of Sacramento. And he has the most successful run in Sacramento Kings history. Now, um, the Kings 
franchise goes back to Kansas City and Cincinnati and Rochester. But while in Sacramento, the franchise was pretty much a dormant franchise. I think they made the playoffs the first year of their existence in Sacramento. And then after that, it just was down the tubes. But when you look at what Rick Adelman did with the Sacramento Kings, um, it was something special uh, because here we go. Sacramento made the playoffs in their first year in Sacramento um, after moving from Kansas City. They were 37 and 45, but they snuck in the playoffs in the 85-86 season. After that, uh, they went from 86 to 80 to wait from the 86-87 season to the 92-93 season. They had never won 30 games. Actually, to the 93-94 season, never won 30 games. They made it back to the playoffs in 95-96. Uh, Mitch Richmond was a part of that team. They finished just under 500 at 39-43. Then they didn't make it to the playoffs until uh, two seasons after that, 98-99. Um, first year making it to the playoffs. That's when Chris Webber arrived. That's when Rick Adelman became the head coach. And Rick Adelman had a lot of success in Portland, getting to the NBA Finals twice. And then he got this team, the Sacramento Kings, to the Western Conference Finals during the 2001-2002 season where they won 61 games uh, and should have made it to the NBA Finals. But a lot of crazy things happened that we are not going to get into on this episode. However, um, Rick Adelman did a great job with Sacramento. But I say all that to say this is that with his Sacramento teams, they were loaded with European players. And there were European players that he had to give an opportunity to because by then the game had changed and it evolved. People's thought process had evolved. And you have Peja Stojakovic, who on that 61-win team averaged 21 points per game. You had Vladi Divac, who had been an all-star and is a, is a um, you know, just, just respected him around the game. I think Vladi is in the Hall of Fame, too. Uh, but he was the starting center for that team. You had Hidu Turgulu, who um, also was on that team and a very strong contri- contributor. I want to say before that, you had uh, Sasha. There was a, I think there was like, oh, wait. I said Pager. For some reason, I'm remembering another guy, but maybe that's just in my mind. Uh, but right there, three quality players from Europe who um, were very important on that basketball team. And if you, um, I'm trying to see where Peja was from. Peja, yeah, he was from Croatia, just like Drazen. Um, but yeah, so so I think Rick Adelman came around. He, he probably saw what... Drazen did, I'm sure he saw what Drazen did in New Jersey, and it kind of made him look like, oh, maybe I should have gave him a shot. But maybe he felt like his roster was so loaded he didn't have a chance to play Drazen anyway. But I don't think he was interested in playing Drazen. (laughs) But he came around to playing Europeans because, you know, three of his most important players, you say like maybe the top six players on the team, three of them were European. Because, yeah, you had um, Chris Webber, you had... um, at times, Jason Williams, and then, you know, um, other than that, the, the other guys, the top players were Europeans. Uh, Doug Christie was on that team, you know. Uh, but, yeah, the top players were Europeans, most of them on that squad. So they changed the way basketball looked. They made it a, a wide-open game. 
Um, and so it was, it was just cool to see how, I guess, Rick Adelman progressed in his thinking. Um, but unfortunately, Drazen just didn't live long enough to um, see what the league would become. Um, it would be interesting to see if maybe that New Jersey team stuck together and then was able to go against the Chicago Bulls and we could have Drazen versus Jordan and in the playoffs. Like, how amazing would that, that have been? I don't know. It's just something to think about. All that being said, thank you so much for tuning into my basketball cards. Um, this episode is probably longer than the other ones are going to be, but every episode this season, we're going to have Chucky Brown share his opinions on uh, the players and, you know, playing against them or being friends with them or playing with them. In this case, he played with Drazen in New Jersey. So it's a cool perspective. Thank you for tuning in to my basketball cards.